We are Lisa and Angie, and you are listening to another episode of Pep Talks and Prosecco. If you are loving this podcast, we would be so darn grateful if you left us a rating and review on this podcast platform. You can also let us know that you're listening to our podcast by taking a screenshot of this episode and sharing it on your socials. But remember to tag us. We are just so freaking happy that you are here. And now it's time to settle in with your favorite glass of bubbly and enjoy this week's pep talk. Cheers to you, Lisa. Cheers, Angie. Cheers to you, Lisa. It is Sunday. Cheers. Happy Mother's Day. I was going to say, it's not just any Sunday. It is Mother's Day. I feel like the Prosecco even tastes like just a little bit better even on a Mother's Day, do you think? Or is it the fact that we have just an unbelievable guest on the podcast for Mother's Day? Is it, a, is it by chance or circumstance or maybe just the stars all aligned that we have Shannon Christensen from Mamas for Mamas, the national nonprofit organization who is our guest on Pep Talks and Prosecco for our Mother's Day episode. Like we've been waiting a long time for this and like... I am giddy excited to share her with our community because she is just absolutely brilliant, inspiring, and wicked fun. (laughs) So much fun. And it felt like we were just sitting, I'd say in the lounge at Earl's, Mm -hmm. having a little conversation with her. And that conversation just continued because it was so much fun and engaging and inspiring. Just like you said that it was so great. This conversation, folks, we have decided that we're going to make this into a two part podcast special edition episode featuring the most amazing Shannon Christensen for from Mamas for Mamas. Y'all are in for a treat. Cheers, Angie. Cheers to you, Lisa. Hello, Shannon. Welcome to Pep Talks and Prosecco. We are over the moon excited to have you here. Cheers to you. Cheers to you. Cheers. Oh, yum. Mm, mm, mm. We are all enjoying some Prosecco on this amazing Sunday. Welcome. We would love to start off like we do with all of our guests who join us here on Pep Talks and Prosecco and invite you to share a bit of your story with us. So tell us a little bit about Shannon and the evolution of Mamas for Mamas. Oh, my good Lord. You know, I'll give you the Coles notes just for your sake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm born and raised in Kelowna. And I've, uh, I've always had a really, really strong connection to family and to my Nana in particular, who was all about building longer tables instead of higher fences. And I was a really problematic kiddo. You know, I had undiagnosed depression as a, a youth. And so I gave people a really hard time. And that's where it comes from when we say at Mamas for Mamas now, when someone's given you our time, times it by 10, and that's what they're feeling and give them that empathy. 
uh, because it really brings you back down to an experience of humanity when you realize that people are pretty hard to hate up close. <laughs> That's a Dr. Mm-hmm. Jodyism. Um, but coming from a background where I was, I felt pretty hard to love. I uh, met my husband when I was 18 and he was a bouncer and a bad boy in my mind. So I figured, perfect. I found my jerk who's going to treat me poorly so I can, you know, have that experience of uh, self-actualization. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, that's actually what happened. No, it's not. Uh, met my partner and we pretty soon got married. And my dad died uh, the day after my wedding. And it just it threw me for such a loop. And it really shifted my entire goal in life to uh, making a difference, not making money. And sure, money's important. And sure, you know, I wanted to provide a life for my kids and and a certain kind of lifestyle. But losing my dad so soon after I had married the man that I loved felt like such an unfair ripoff. And I got angry and I got really sad. And um, instead of kind of diving into that, I decided I was going to try and create joy. So I said to my brand new husband of like two months, forget about it. I don't want to do my doctorate anymore. You know, I'm still going on with my master's, but let's have a baby and let's buy a house and let's just settle down. And he was like, uh, sorry, what? Like you're 23. We had a plan. No, 22 at the time you're 22. And we had a plan that we weren't having kids till you were 30 and you were going to get your doctorate. We were going to move wherever we had to for you to do your research. And that was it. And I said, yeah, but I don't want to die with a bunch of paper on my wall and nobody to share what I've learned with or nobody with whom to share my experiences or any fruits of my labor. And he was like, cool, done. Let's do it. So let's start practicing and let's have a baby. (laughs) And within six weeks, I was pregnant. Wow. Which is like a wonderful, amazing gift. And now, especially being in the field I'm in and seeing so many women experience infertility issues and things like that, I'm I'm unbelievably blessed and really grateful. And my uh, my son was born seven weeks early from an abruption that almost killed me and him. And the craziest part of the timing was he was born on my parents' wedding anniversary. Hmm. Like my parents had been divorced for 17 years and they got back together a month before he died month before my wedding, they walked me down the aisle together. They danced the night away together. And then he went hiking the next morning, had a heart attack and died at the age of 53. And it was, it was so unfair until now when I look back and realize what he's created. And I realized that it was exactly what it needed to be. We took what we could from the experience and we built something from it. Um, But holy man, was that ever tough. So my first Mm -hmm. son was born and it was very isolating. I was super alone. I was 23 years old, had a brand new baby. And most of my friends were, you know, at concerts. And I remember trying to hold my baby shower and one of my friends going 11 to two during wake fest. <laughs> I was like, no, you're right. Wake fest is definitely more important. Um, my bad, you know, my bad. Like, well, I'm, I'm selling meat pies or something down there. I can't remember what it was. But I just remember thinking like, how dare I have a baby shower on a Saturday from 11 to two. Um, and it was then that I realized that I really didn't belong. You know, it was then that I realized I didn't belong with my friends that were all 23 and either going to college. I'd already graduated college. I was starting my master's. I did it remotely. It was like, where do I actually get to belong and be accepted without having to try so damn hard all the time? And I didn't find it. I didn't find it until I built it. And that was after my second baby. You know, Jacob was born. I was 26. I had just finished my master's degree. I had just finished my internship at Youth Forensic Psychiatric Services, treating violent offenders and violent sex offenders who were under the age of 18. And once again, 
working with those kids, I realized there's a common thread here. And it's that these kids didn't have a longer table built for them. They had a higher fence. They had people pushing their parents away, pushing the mom away. They didn't have the support from their parents. They, they could have or should have emotionally or financially or socially. And everything just came so full circle to me in that moment where, you know, losing my dad, my mom moved to China shortly after my dad passed away, um, just really trying to process everything. And my Nana went into open heart surgery. So here I am coming from this massive family of people that are there for you. And you've got a built in village to you wake up the next day and your village is literally gone. They're all gone. And now what's the option? Fall apart. You have two humans to look after. It's not, mm. it's not an option to fall apart. It's our responsibility to make sure that we're putting them first. And that's what I did. I put them first until the point where it almost killed me. You know, I had such bad postpartum depression. I went to my Nana's house one day and I said to her, it's not that I want to die. It's just that I, I want to sleep so bad that I just for a little bit, if I died for like a night, <laughs> you know, like if, oh, mm-hmm. if I could just take a little bit of time out of this world and come back and she's like, okay, you need some help. We're going to get you some support. But at the end of the day, Shannon, why don't you go onto that, the Facebook, you know, and, and put out a call out for some of these other moms that feel like shit, like you do. And then we'll bring them all together and we'll say, it's okay to feel like shit. You know, that's okay. There are ways that we can support each other. And I was like, yeah, that's cute. Sure. You know, maybe not, not, a, not such a bad idea. And that was April, 2014. And I went home that day, bawling my eyes out thinking to myself, I have all this stuff to give away. Maybe if I start donating items, people will be nice to me. Maybe I'll meet some friends. And I started a group that day called Mamas for Mamas. I made the hashtag kindness is our currency because I didn't want moms to feel like they had to spend any money to get what they needed. I was literally going to find them everything they needed for free if they would just be freaking nice to me. Like, how sad is that? And how beautiful is that? Mm-hmm. And you know what? They were. They were really nice to me. And I got to give them what they needed. I got to give them the strollers, the cribs, the, the high chairs, the all the, the bassinets, the baby clothes. I didn't need to sell it. I wasn't in financial poverty. I was in emotional poverty. And my emotional poverty was healed through giving financially. It was this beautiful sharing economy of whatever we had. And nobody could buy that feeling for me. Nobody could, no, no amount of money could actually buy a bit of relief or a bit of compassion and being able to buy groceries for a mom who didn't have anything. It, it changed something inside of my cellular mm-hmm. energy that made me realize I wasn't alone. Even if my family had left, I wasn't alone. All right, everybody. If you are like us and have fallen victim to sacrificing your goals because, I don't know, you're too busy raising your family or maybe you're in a demanding career, you're struggling to find motivation or heck, it might be all of the above. We have been there. Mm-hmm. Through our successes and failures, we have discovered a formula to building habits that don't just last, but they stick as well. And that is how we've been able to reach our goals. And it's also why we created Sustainable Habits, our free seven-day habit-building course. In this email course, we share our proven formula for building habits that last. So we are going to show up in your inbox for seven days straight and share with you strategies and tips that will get you closer to implementing small habits that are going to lead to significant results. 
So click on the link in the show notes or head to our website, weatherwill.com and click on courses to find sustainable habits. Oh, wow. And that's how the Facebook group was born. And that's how Mamas for Mamas started. We're the first national charity that was born as a social media group. There's no business plan around it. There was no intention for us to grow to where we are today. It was just, let's meet one more mama where she is. Let's meet one more mama where she is. And now it's like over 100,000 moms across Canada on these online sharing economies. But it's also like 25 to 30,000 moms are helped through these comprehensive care plans every year. So the peer-to-peer platform is awesome. That's You can go on, donate, share, support, connect. But there's many cases where other moms don't have what you need. That's when you come to mamas, big mama. You know, you come to the office and we got the karma market. We have formula. We have diapers. Literally. (laughs) You know, we have everything that you might need to raise happy, healthy kids. And if we don't have it, we'll find it at no charge. You know, we work with like Haven mattress. They just, they give us mattresses when we need them. So we're not buying things with hard-earned fundraising dollars. And that keeps us at like a very low administrative overhead. We have a $4.8, $4.9 million budget this year for Mamas for Mamas National. And we only spend 17% of that on actually running the operation, like the administration. We get all of our spaces donated. We find people who are in it for the outcome, not the income. And we still find a way to make sure they can feed their kids and look after themselves. But this is about a movement, not a moment of signing a contract. You know, it's a movement of change, of true changing the landscape of poverty. Wow. wow. I'm going to just so, pour myself another Prosecco here. <laughs> just like, I need a moment. <laughs> to just so absorb. Mamas for Mamas. That's the cold notes of the beginning phases. But unbelievable. You know, it's it's so cool because someone asked me this the other day and they're like, so like, what did you, how did you, how did you design your business plan and who were your mentors and who did you design this with and how did you create your strategic plan? And I said, um, I don't have any of those things. I have mentors and I've got really strong boards of directors. I've got, you know, I've got all those people, but I didn't, I didn't sit down and do a plan. A, I didn't know what it was. I learned what a revenue source was only like four years ago. Um, And then I had to learn how to develop them and how to implement them into different programs, things like that. But I joke that I'm not a businesswoman. I'm a big mama with a passion to find a way to make business work for charity. You know, you've got to solve problems like a mama, but you've got to run it like a business so that the charity really always is stronger than the peer-to-peer platform so that no matter what, If you've got a mama who's got an abscessed tooth and it's going to cost $1,300 to take it out, but if you don't, she's going to have a potential infection in her brain, which is a recurrent weekly experience we have is moms or kids with abscessed teeth with infection that are too close to their brain to be safe. But BC Health doesn't take the tooth out. It just gives you antibiotics. But what if you can't afford the antibiotics? Then you have to go to the hospital for inpatient treatment and spend three hours a day at the ER getting your shot. So it's a poverty tax. The less you have the less you're able to access. And so mama's cuts out that poverty tax and we, we buy your prescription for you so you can do outpatient treatment and go home, take your antibiotics, still go to work, things like that. You know, But there are so many gaps in the system that th- the purpose of mama's wasn't just to connect mama's to one another. It was to connect nonprofits that work with mama's to one another so we can develop a safety net um, that doesn't have these massive gaps in them because 
there shouldn't they shouldn't be there. And we're smart enough to identify what they are, then we're smart enough to figure out how to fill them, you know? Shannon, you are taking care of mamas like a mother. Like a mother. Exactly. Yes. And exactly. we we, you know, of, of course, we've read your story. We follow you on social media. We know that that is your jam, taking care of others like a mother. And we also know that you were asked to co-author a book. Uh, I believe the title was You've Got This Mama. Is that right? You've Got This Boss, boss mama. mama. That's right. You've yeah. Got This Boss Mama. Yeah. And we understand that during that process, you developed maybe a new version or your own version of what a boss mama is. And I just think what you've written about boss mama is absolutely brilliant and powerful. So I'm hoping maybe you would share some of your definition of a boss mama and how you are taking care of each other like a mother. Oh my God, of course. You know, it's funny. I haven't read my chapter in probably four years. Um, so if I'm going to reflect back and really, it's funny. I just saw it on my desk today. I thought, what the hell is that doing there? Like, um, but at the end of the day, like I, when you're looking after people and you are, you're building something where you're looking after your neighbor, not to compete or to compare, but to make sure they've got enough. That's the essence of motherhood is, is to reduce the competition. We have enough of that with literally every single angle, how good your kids are doing in school, how well they're doing on their development, all these different things. But in order to be a boss mama, you need to be willing to reach behind you and lift up your fellow mama to make sure she's standing there with you. Because as far as I'm concerned, there's many of us who were born on third base. And there are many of us who have privilege and opportunity far beyond many others. And this whole myth of meritocracy that you just, as long as you work hard enough, you can be anything you want to be. It's just not true in this day and age. But when you've got women that are willing to bat each other over to third before they bat themselves home, that's what it means to be a boss mama. That's what it means to actually be a, a, a table builder, not a fence builder. When we say that charity doesn't solve poverty, community does, it's because no government system or no one nonprofit can actually address and change the way we treat each other. And that is at its core what it means to be a boss mama, is to be kind, to be compassionate, and is to reach behind you to make sure that when you rise, you lift others. Because your brightness does not get any dimmer when you allow brightness to those around you. It only gets brighter. It only gets stronger. You know, we don't need a candle. You know, we need a freaking bonfire. That's a boss mama. Let's build a bonfire, you know? 